and thank you for tuning in to The Escafil Files, a book analysis podcast where one diehard fan and one newbie start yet another podcast about Animorphs, the children's book series by K.A. Applegate. I'm Danielle. You can find me on the internet at redtailtalk90, and my pronouns are she, they. My co-host is Jade. Hello! You can find me on the internet at jadeoxfordrose on Twitter. You can hear my voice on various other podcasts I'll tell you about later. And I also use they, them pronouns as opposed to I don't know what. (laughs) They, them pronouns are good. Yeah. Uh, We will be making our way through the books one at a time, analyzing the themes and how they stand up to time, and sharing the experience with our friends on Discord, the link to which you can find in the show notes. Uh... Today, we are talking about book number six, The Capture. It is a Jake book. Um, and before we get in, let's, there are some, uh, book specific content warnings to get into. Uh, first being insects. This is yet another insect heavy book. Uh, so if they wig you out, um, maybe don't read it and listen to this at your, uh, discretion. Discretion. Um, and I have no mouth and I must scream, uh, because, spoiler alert, this is the book where one of the team becomes yerked. I really appreciate that on the cover of the book, it says, now he's one of them, dot, dot, dot. Like, what a (laughs) giveaway of plot. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) as you do. (laughs) Mm. Very good. Alrighty. All right. Shall we dive in, as let's, is our want to do? Yeah, let's get going. Uh, so we start off with our opening, uh, where Jake introduces himself. Uh, you had a note here at the very beginning. Yeah, um, we have this little bit where Jake's like, I'm Jake, just Jake. You don't need to know my last name and I can't tell you anyway. My story is full of small lies and I'm there just like looking into the camera like, oh, this mm. is this is a thing. This mm-hmm. is going to be a thing. How yeah. much do you have to lie to people and how mm-hmm. much do you get good at it as your life goes on? Ha, yep. ha, 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 ha. Yep. Of course, in this instance, he's saying that, oh, I've changed people's names in the story and the names of places and so on and so forth. But, like, this is Jake. Mm -hmm. He does a lot of lying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's here to reassure us that the big stuff is true. And, you know, Mm -hmm. things about aliens. You know, fair point. Of course. Yeah. Just uh, giving paranoia to a whole generation of 11-year-olds. So. Uh, the opening here is Tom and Jake sitting down to breakfast on a Saturday morning. You know, your typical Saturday morning where you sit across from your big brother and wonder if you're going to have to destroy him. <sighs> and you made this comment, which I found very amusing as I was adding my first one, but about the, the conversation is a dance of lies because we know yeah. Tom is a controller at this point and obviously so is a yerk is that pretending to be a normal person a normal human mm-hmm. there's jake also there pretending to be a normal human yep and it's just very upsetting yeah will become more so later mm-hmm. but you know for now it's just low level upsetting i guess until we hear jake's internal monologue about 
wondering whether he would ever have to destroy his older brother, who he clearly adores. Yep. It's Uh, fine. Everything is fine. This is great. This is fine. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's very tense. Every conversation that Jake has with Tom, uh, it's, it's really interesting because every time they're written in the books in general, um, they're written like the conversation is all very kind of normal brother conversation, right? Yeah. But every single time it's so tense and part of that is because of the way it's written and part of that is the knowledge that they're both sitting there looking at each other and lying to each other the whole time yeah just occurs to me how much we did our own homage to this in uh, a recent recording of dumb kids oh no that episode has gone live now on the on the feed yeah so, so yeah that was fun having now played that situation and that's just like in the step removed of being like role play games it's sort of just like damn yep yep just damn yep (laughs) Uh, we have this this dance of the two of them and we with jake as he wonders about if he's ever gonna have to destroy his brother and his Brother is a perceptive person, or the yerk inside him is. Um, and it's just like, you have this normal little conversation. He asks how Jake's doing and mm-hmm. um, mentions that he's going to a meeting. And Jake's just like, oh, super cash, just like, oh, the sharing. Um, a group, the sharing, a group that pretends it's some kind of combined Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. It's really a front organization for controllers. Um, just, ugh. And uh, Tom talks about how they're going to be doing cleanup at the park, playing their part in the community, uh, and then having a barbecue. And it just makes the extra push of that uh, Jake should join because we'd get to uh, he and Jake would get to spend more time together. Yep. And Jake's mm. just like feeling sick because this isn't Tom talking to him. This is the yerk. Yep. And then we get as I sat there across the table from him, I was trying to decide something. I was trying to decide whether I would have to ever destroy him. Destroy my brother who was not my brother. Not anymore. I suppose this is all important set up, like getting Jake's headspace with regards to what it is to be yerked and what that means from his perspective at this point in the story, given what we know happens later. You kind of cut out for the first bit of that. Uh, What did you say? Brain, can we work here? Hmm. It's interesting that we're getting such a good perspective. I know obviously this is Jake's book, but we're getting this perspective of what his take on being yerked means for the person, mm-hmm. which becomes doubly interesting knowing what happens later in the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what Jake finds out. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, now I have aerial feels again. Shit. <laughs> we're always having aerial feels. Yeah, it's fine. Minor, minor, uh, vague spoilers for dumb kids, I guess. Um, I mean, by the time this comes out, I think that will be out. True, true. We can hope. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so Jake kind of brushes off this invitation um, and says, "Oh, you're going to be gone for a while. Cool, because I have my own plans." Basically, um. It was hard not to just yell at him to let him know that I knew all about him, what he was, what he was doing. 
at least some of what he was doing, uh, because Jake has been spying on his brother. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, he's learned that uh, Tom's Yerk um, is rising fast up the ranks uh, in the sharing. Um, he's a very loyal controller and has been promoted recently. Uh, so, you know, that's great. Um, yeah, uh, knowing this, Jake's just like, I need to find out more. So, because <laughs> he's like, and this, we get into this a little bit more, actually, not pretty, pretty in the thing in the next chapter. But Jake's just like, regards Tom as his responsibility and the yeah. yerk within Tom. Yeah. So when he's just like, okay, I need to figure out a way to do more spying because I need to stop this plan. It's just like, hmm. Because mm. there's the line, a plan I had to stop. Mm-hmm. Not a plan we had to stop. Yep. Yep. Uh. Uh, and uh, I'm going I'm to tell you right now, this, this struggle doesn't go away. Yay. <laughs> oh, how good. Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It 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 continues and and this this is part of what Jen and I were screaming about in chat. Um, mm-hmm. I have to not click on any spoiled tags. <laughs> I, I appreciate a lot of stuff gets rot thirded anyway, rot thirteen anyway, because uh, Izzy has a tendency to click on spoiler tags when <laughs> she probably shouldn't. So Danielle doubles down and puts stuff in rot thirteen code as well. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Which is delightful. <laughs> mm. So I have no idea, but I just keep seeing stuff in capitals about Endgame, and I'm just like, well, I know they're not talking about Avengers. I assume this refers to the end of the book series, and I will find out eventually what the hell yep. they're yelling about. Yep, and and then you too can feel pain. <laughs> I'm already feeling pain, Danielle. Like... <laughs> I am not immune to pain just because I don't know the future. I, I just know. don't have hindsight and future sight. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't have the the additional pain of dramatic irony. Yes. Yes. Uh, so Jake acquires uh Tom leaves. Jake goes back to his room, makes sure that no one's in the house, and acquires a cockroach that he has caught. Um and See, this is one of these things. I pre like we don't have cockroaches in the UK. Really? If if we do, they aren't a common pest like they are mm. in the states. I might now have to go look this up. But my only experience with roaches has been on American TV and film. <laughs> See, I grew up so, in Florida, mm-hmm. and in Tennessee, cockroaches are not they're they're a thing, but they're not as bad a thing. They're a thing where like. You'll see them in certain locations where there's an infestation, right? Mm. Um, regardless of whether or not some people think it's only because things are dirty, but it just is a thing that happens sometimes. Um, I grew up in Florida, and in Florida, cockroaches are just everywhere, like all the time. You just know that they're everywhere. Um, and they're not like the teeny tiny little roaches that you sometimes get up here where it's just like <laughs> maybe a centimeter long and uh it, 
easily squished and just runs and hides in a crack or whatever. No, the fuckers in Florida are like <laughs> two inches long and they fly. <laughs> and they are the worst. <laughs> okay, I, I have Googled this because now I was intriguing. Cockroaches are found around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, about 30 out of 4,600 variants are associated with human habitats. About mm-hmm. five of those species are known as pests. Mm-hmm. Insects are one of those things where if you start looking into it, you realize just how many there are on the planet, and we probably don't know about any of yep. them. But there is a German cockroach, apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those sound- are pretty. Yeah. But um, fact, they are found around the world, but. Um, apparently, the German structure has a uh, German cockroach has an elaborate social structure involving common shelter, social dependence, information transfer, and kin recognition. Yeah, uh, cool. Like as as <laughs> as beings, I respect roaches. Um, I think they're pretty really cool um, and surprisingly can be smart. Uh, There's and- that whole. In like common, I suppose, popular mythology about the whole they can survive, but they can survive yeah. radiation. Yeah, that's why the gag that after, after you know the doomsday clock ticks to zero, all that's going to be left is Keith Richards and cockroaches. <laughs> yeah. Um. So so I can appreciate roaches. Uh. However, waking up to have one crawling on you Ooh, is no. not the best experience. No, no. I, I, I like wildlife to respect my personal bubble, just as I endeavour to respect theirs. Yeah. Uh, so, and that that happened on at least two occasions in Florida. And there's there's a particular kind of fear to knowing that there is a large roach in your room, and mm-hmm. you don't know where it is, and also it can fly. Yeah. No, I can appreciate that being a really deeply unfun experience. <laughs> But that's the kind of roach we're talking about here, not like the tiny little roaches or like Madagascar roaches, which I think in the TV show they used Madagascar roaches, which I'm like, why? <laughs> I mean, I I appreciate that Madagascar roaches are the ones that are usually pets, um, but they're definitely not the kind that you find in your house. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's strange. I just thought about the... Uh... Little cockroach in Wally, and it really made me smile. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to Rochi of Monster Factory fame, and I'm going to try not get too far down <laughs> that train of thought. Um, but yes, so Jake, <laughs> to get back on topic, <laughs> um, uh, Jake acquires the morph from the roach, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, he talks about how he absorbs the DNA and how it becomes a part of him, which is an interesting, again, knowing what we find out later about mm-hmm. how yurks work. Mm-hmm. Just sort of like, I see you, K.A. Applegate. I see mm-hmm. you, and I like mm-hmm. what you're doing. Um, we get this little list of the different morphs uh, that Jake has acquired. And he explains about what morphing is. And then we get fucking this comment. I'm possibly, yeah, the gift of the dying Andalite. A powerful weapon for us to use in resisting the Yerks. It was also a dangerous, deadly curse. Like any weapon, I guess. Mm-hmm. Jake. 
Jay. <laughs> yeah. It's it's interesting because when I first read this, I was like, it hurt me, and I couldn't put my finger on why. Mm-hmm. Because um, when you read through it, it's just like, okay, the, the power to morph, we've heard it referred to as both a gift and a curse before. Yeah. That's not new. Um, but it's and we the- know how dangerous it is because of Tobias. Right, exactly. Um, and how it also has roped them into this war. Right, mm-hmm. it's given them the level of power so that they now have their level of responsibility. Yeah. Um. But it's this, like any weapon, I guess, which is one a subtle hint to Jake's worldview about weapons. Um, which is a pretty insightful one, frankly, for a thirteen-year-old. Mm. Um. But. Uh, really hurts considering that he's the leader and his friends become weapons. Yeah, they're part of the arsenal they have. Yeah, and so it it circles around to this idea that the the morphing power is kind of what the the text is talking about here. But there's a layer under that where the morphing power isn't just the weapon; they are the weapons. Mm-hmm. And I hurt. Yep. A lot. <laughs> mm. So Jake is now a cockroach, uh, or preparing to become a cockroach, and talks about how it would be a really good way to infiltrate the sharing's new headquarters and how there's a meeting coming up that Jake wants to be there for, but how the X are becoming cautious, though they think the kids are a group of Andalite warriors. So and um and they're making an impact. Mm-hmm. Hurt, that they're managing to hurt the Yerks very badly. And then we have that line, Tom, my brother, could I destroy my own brother? And yeah. bless this kid. This kid is just like, you don't have to make that decision yet, I said aloud. All you have to do now is try out this roach morph. And it's just sort of like, mm-hmm. Child. <sighs> There's... There's something here about that that is just kind of now forming in my head, so I don't really have words for it, but mm-hmm. there's something here about that's where his mind is at already. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's, this is it, a matter of, what, weeks? Yeah. And... And it's not just, you know, oh, we're going to have to rescue my brother. You know, one day I'll have to come out to my whole family and, you know, uh, spirit them away so that I can hold Tom until he's free or whatever. It's already this dichotomy. I will Mm -hmm. or I will not destroy my brother. Um, Mm -hmm. And part of that is, you know, the, the dichotomy is probably, will I have to destroy my brother because he's there in a fight and I can't. You know, I have to protect my friends or, you know, will I be able to save him? You know, there's that there. But the delineation in these kind of spiraling thoughts that he has Mm. is just, I will have to make the choice eventually that uh, it's either my friends or my brother or the world or my brother. Um. And I think the fact that he's preparing himself for that already mm-hmm. bodes poorly. Yeah. 
for like how at le- at the very least how he's going to approach situations regarding his brother in the future. It's it's an inherently tragic thing. Mm-hmm. And obviously I don't know stuff that's coming later, but it is like we were just talking about dramatic irony and things like that. And yeah, I am scared for where this particular situation ends. Yeah. So, yeah. But, um, yep. So, with those thoughts, we said, I do appreciate that Jake puts his dog outside, just like <laughs> smart boy. Uh, how he <laughs> closes the curtains to make it dark, and he's just having this moment of reflection. <laughs> and actually, this calls back to later. Uh, he, he has a comment about Marco. Um, mm-hmm. And he's just like, no, I've got to do this myself. He's telling himself that and just like, mm. And then we have the others were all tired. Mm-hmm. Then we'd had a rough time lately. Too many close calls. We needed a rest. It's just sort of like, mm. okay, mm-hmm. Jan. <laughs> uh, yeah, very clearly not including himself in that we. Mm-hmm. They need a rest. My soldiers need a rest. Mm-hmm. I do not get to rest. Yeah, and as if underscoring that, it's just like, our grades have been suffering, and then besides, this had to be my decision. Tom was my brother. Yep. And it's like, this this child, mm-hmm. and I don't say that to be dismissive, I, it's a, he's a 13-year-old, but taking that, and we see him do this time and time again, uh, the onus of responsibility upon himself. Mm-hmm. Like the others decided he was the leader, and so he's the leader, and he yeah. will bear the responsibility of the shitty things that have to be done. Mm-hmm. And it's like we've talked about this in previous episodes. Like Marco might be the one to suggest the play, but Jake's the one that makes it. Yep. So. Yep. Ugh. So Jake uh, braces himself and uh, mm-hmm. morphs the roach in front of his full-length mirror. Uh, and it is bad. It's bad. Uh, we get a at least half a page, probably a full page of description of him morphing the roach. It's horrible. It's really horrible. <laughs> really, really horrible. Yeah, I think it's body horror warnings uh, yeah. in this book. Yeah, I I appreciate the creativity involved mm-hmm. in describing the morphs, and when yeah. you think about like the very like I appreciate like when your if your DNA is rewriting itself to do a thing, why would it be pretty? Mm-hmm. And even though we haven't learned too much about like Z space. And stuff where your mass goes when you turn into something smaller <laughs> and stuff like that. I appreciate that we were having a conversation about dumb kids and we were saying, like, what has happened? And Danielle's just like, actually, it's this. And we're like, of course. <laughs> of course you have an answer to that. Of course you know. Why wouldn't you know? <laughs> but as horrifying as it is, um, I pre- as I said, I appreciate the different ways. Like, no morph description sounds the same twice. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like that. 
So, and I feel like Kay Applegate has fun writing these sequences. Yeah. Because there's a certain kind of glee. Like, they actually mention later in this book, reasons, a certain movie that, uh, that has some hardcore body horror. <laughs> and it's, again, and it's an interesting point to have this happen then and then that film mentioned yep. later. Yeah. So, but we've got things like shrinking, how it feels like falling, and then being covered in armor. And then fingers melding together and, you know, fun things <laughs> like that. Yep. And what well, this one has the whole thing about, I felt the last of my bones dissolve. I could actually hear it happening. My spine had been grinding as it shrank. Then suddenly I heard a squishy sound as all my internal organs lost their bone support. Yeah. My skull melted away. It was the last sound I heard clearly as my ears and human sense of hearing faded. I was a bag of loose guts. And I'm there just like, you know, for kids. <laughs> just yep. gross. Yep. Um, yeah. But, like, I appreciate and am horrified by that level of awareness that they have of what their bodies are doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of it has to be conjectured. It's like, you don't have nerve endings in parts of your body. Like, how would you be able to conjecture that happening? Mm-hmm. But well, I, 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 I'll, please. Uh, I mean, it's, it's consistently said that, um, the way that the morphing works, they're all aware of it happening. They all are aware that it should hurt, but it doesn't. Mm. Yeah. Um, and you can hear everything that's happening. So there's definitely a, a level of um, American Werewolf in London kind of uh-huh. transformation sequence, yes. only not painful. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of the hallmark. Um, it reminds me of that... Uh, someone posted a meme i don't remember if it was you or someone else where it's like chapter one is yeah random you know hijinks chapter chapter 10 is uh descriptions like this of morphing Mm -hmm. chapter 13 is i was definitely sure i was gonna die uh and the last chapter is like i I skated away on my skateboard totally radical dude Yeah, it, it does a lot. And yeah. uh Yep. It is That's it, it, That's it, a it is a thing. <laughs> it's it it's a staple. Um yeah. and one of the things I always enjoy about new morphs as we go back is how the animal form experiences the surroundings. Mm-hmm. And like I feel like this is one of the fun things because unlike um this is the first time We've been with somebody in insect form when it's not a horrifying experience. Because, like, we weren't in Jake's mind when he turned into the flea. So this, obviously, leaving aside the horror of (laughs) the ants, um, (laughs) which made, let me tell you, that made this week's episode of the Magnus Archives. (laughs) I'm sorry, Johnny Sims has read that book. You would not convince me otherwise. But so we get a first person perspective on the surroundings. We got some of this when Marco was in ant form before everything broke Mm -hmm. bad. But because of how the sight of the cockroach works, it's really Mm -hmm. fun to 
have these descriptions of what stuff looks like and how big it is, like how dark tunnels made of thick slabs of what could have been wavy corrugated concrete, just like his jeans. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I like, and I like as he sort of, the sort of roach mind rises, it's just sort of like, it's just a chill. Mm-hmm. Roaches just be chill. It's like, oh, I want a nap. It's great. I'm here. I'm chill. Um, Because <laughs> like Jake was all prepared for like a lot of the prey animals they've been, especially mm-hmm. smaller ones, to be like full of energy and fear. Um, but he's just like, nah, be chill. Up until the point where uh starts feeling vibration and a light gets switched on. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then <laughs> less relaxed. <laughs> I love I love the description of the roach panic. Um mm. but specifically the roach running away. Mm-hmm. Imagine being in one of those race cars at the Indianapolis 500. Now imagine that instead of sitting in one, you are strapped face down underneath one. Your nose is about a tenth of an inch from the road and you're going 180 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, so some someone comes into Jake's room. Uh, there's light, there's sound, there's vibration. He runs, finds a crack in the wall, darts into it. Um, and... Uh, kind of immediately the roach calms down. Um, he encounters another cockroach, uh, but they're they're chill. They're just like, oh, hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> what you doing? Watching the game, having a bird. <laughs> True. Uh, he... But I, I appreciate sort of like underlining just how different the roach experience is to the ant experience. Yeah. Yeah, because every time they met another ant, it was awful. Mm. Um, He figures that he can go to the garage to demorph, so he runs through the walls and into the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Um, He ends up behind the fridge, uh, and he's like, okay, well, I know where I am. I just need to follow the baseboard, and then I'll be at the door. He finds what looks like an old matchbox and goes into it because he's a dumbass Mm -hmm. uh, and finds out the hard way that it is a roach motel and he's stuck to it. Uh, And then we smash cut to later when he's at the barn explaining this to his friends. Yeah. Oh. Um, and I made a comment here uh, mm-hmm. in our document. Um, I really like the transition, even if arguably is kind of a cop out. Mm-hmm. Just like we're not going to have to describe it. And to be fair, we do get an explanation of how Jake got out of it in a little bit. But the touch of levity that comes with that smash cut and the way sort of Jake is describing what happens. The fear in the moment of being stuck, and he talks about like his legs being stuck and one of his antennae being stuck, mm-hmm. and how lightly he's talking about it yep. with the others. It's just like, uh-huh, I see what you're doing. And mm-hmm. I appreciate that he gets sussed on this. Jake is sus. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I know about Among Us. <laughs> that and i see all the cool art and animatics and i'm having fun and everyone seems to be having fun and apparently h-bomber guy killed uh (laughs) aoc in her twitch stream (laughs) he was the only one brave enough to apparently do it there was the tag just like uh what is it english leftist uh assassinates american senator (laughs) and it's just like 
<laughs> Bless. But um, but yeah. So we get this, yeah, and Marco susses it out even before it's explained, being the smart boy, and then just makes a Hotel California reference. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the. Jake just like very frustrating and then Mark was just like maybe you could do commercials for them um he was just like <laughs> oh, what yeah. a shit heel I love him yeah. uh everyone is here everyone seemed to think my roach experiment was funny except for Cassie Cassie was the only one not smiling she was giving me a very disapproving look Jake you of all people should know better and what follows is just I'm gonna read it all because it's the fucking best mm-hmm <laughs> She was right. I knew she was right, but that just made me stubborn. Look, I was trying out the morph to see it would be good for us to use. Cassie totally did not buy my argument. She put down the bucket she was carrying. She took off her heavy work gloves. She came over and stood about a foot from me. Then she stuck her finger in my face. "Uh Uh-oh, Marco said in a loud whisper. Jake's in trouble. Big time, Rachel agreed. (laughs) Jake, Cassie said, don't ever do that again. Now, you are sort of the one in charge, but I'm telling you, don't ever do that again. Don't ever try some new morph without one of us there. Do you understand? Cassie, I was just, uh-uh. No, don't tell me what you were just. Don't ever do that again. Um, Jake, I think this is the point where you just say yes, ma'am. Tobias said in the thought speak that comes with being in a morph. I hung my head. Okay, Cassie, sorry. <laughs> it's so I love everybody else just razzing on them. Mm-hmm. Um and <laughs> Rachel whistled appreciatively. It's a new tougher Cassie. I approve. I remember when she used to be so sweet, Marco said. I didn't know her voice could even sound like that. Plus, look, she now comes with a kung fu grip. Uh and then we and then it veers into very sweet uh Cassie ignored them. Instead, she gave me a private look just between the two of us. I knew what the look meant. It meant, I care about you. Don't be dumb. And the look I sent her meant, I know, I care about you too. Okay, I realize it sounds corny, but give me a break. We'd been through a lot, Cassie and I, and all of us. We'd grown pretty close. You love Mm -hmm. her, you doofus! (laughs) You sweet summer child. (laughs) We'd grown pretty close. Okay, buddy. I appreciate we've been through a lot, Cassie and I, and that is enough for and all of us. <laughs> and and then we have this moment where he just talks about Cassie for a bit. Yeah, it's just these two paragraphs, and he's just like, Cassie is like so amazing and so hot, and just like <laughs> she's not like that kind of girl, but she's this kind of girl, and I really like that about her. Anyway, <laughs> she's great. And then goes on to talk about the others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's very good. Uh, Everybody else gets like a couple of sentences. Cassie gets two full-on paragraphs. Yeah. Yeah. We find out, we hear that uh, Marco refers to Rachel as Xena Warrior Princess, which is a dated yeah. reference that I hella enjoy. It's very uh, good. Because I've, look, Xena Warrior Princess walked so the Witcher could run. And <laughs> also... It's cheesy as hell and one of the best things to have ever been on television and I will fight people. <laughs> and Lucy Lawless is still awesome. Mm-hmm. So, but yes. Yep. And then, but we have that guy, him make, mentioning that that's what Marco calls Rachel. And then I love this as he talks about Marco. We mm-hmm. get the description 
uh, for, well, we start with uh, for Marco, everything is a joke except for his family or what's left of it. Just like uh-huh. Jesus. Yeah. Um, we get that offhanded thing like Cassie says a lot of girls at school think he's cute. I wouldn't know. She's like, yeah, okay, we get what? it. Um, but what I really appreciate then is he goes on to say about he and Marco don't get on. Mm-hmm. That Marco thinks Jake is too serious. That Jake thinks Marco is immature sometimes, and how they disagree about a lot of stuff and <laughs> about something about basketball. Which is, <laughs> that college hoops are better than the NBA. Um, and how they get on each other's nerves. And then he goes on to say, we're best friends and have been since we were babies. I would do almost anything for Marco and he would do the same for me. Of course, he complained the whole time. Oh, man. And just like he goes on to just like, oh, I was too serious about my feelings. I'm going to go this way. It's just like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get the intro to Tobias. And well, I am not shipping Tobias and Jake. I can see why people might, based mm-hmm. on Tobias used to be this kind of sweet guy with wild blonde hair, a dreamy sort of person with a terrible home life. My reading comprehension definitely took dreamy the wrong way when I first read that, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, and then he goes on to talk about like Tobias's uh, red-tailed hawk form and how awesome that is. And I'm just like, yeah, no, I can see why people might get that from. Yeah. Um, and we get the... Um, the again, the statement about the if you spend more than two hours and more, if you're stuck. Uh, so we come in and we get the explanation of what happened. It was that Jake's parents came home and went into Jake's room to get ace bandages. And uh, while he knew because he was stuck behind the fridge long enough to suss out how the what roach sensors worked, mm-hmm. could figure out oh, okay, that's who it is, that's what's going on. Uh, they're in their bedroom, so he demorphed, and he's behind the fridge, <laughs> uh, and just has to like push the refrigerator out a little bit at a time as he morphs back. And then his mum comes into the kitchen <laughs> when just Jake's <laughs> head is like st- sticking, sticking out from behind the fridge. Yeah, and that he's got a roach motel stuck in his hair, um, and everyone gets a laugh out of the image. And then it immediately snaps. It's just sort of like. Marco was the first to stop laughing. He was looking at me kind of sideways, the way he does when he thinks I'm hiding something. It's just like, very funny and all, Jake, but you haven't told us why you were morphing a roach and don't give me that I was just trying it out routine. And of course, Cassie worries and just Mm -hmm. like, don't do that, it's about the safety. Marco's like, yeah, you were doing that for a reason. Mm -hmm. Because he's a perceptive motherfucker and as we said uh, during Marco's book he makes connections fast faster than anybody else mm-hmm. so yeah. and Jake stops laughing when Marco says that and realises he's going to have to tell them everything yeah. he reveals what he's learned about Tom's yerk getting more important um, how he's just below Chapman now who they know is like Chapman being the most important controller, the kids know, and him also being their assistant principal. Um, we have this fun thing where Jake being a super spy, um, hitting auto redial after Tom makes calls to find out who he's been calling. Mm-hmm. And we find out that Tom's been calling different doctors from a hospital, a newer hospital in town, the Bourbon Clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, and that the facts are sort of sinking in, and everyone's like, 
Um, I appreciate that Rachel's like, why are they doing that? What they want a hospital for? And um, I hesitated before answering. I wasn't sure my guess was right. Maybe I was just being paranoid. But Marco, who could teach a class in paranoia, had already figured it out, of course. Mm -hmm. Oh man, they're going to use the hospital to infest host bodies. You check in to have your tonsils out or to have a cast on your broken arm. You check out as a controller. Mm -hmm. I hate it. Yep. I also hate what a good idea that is. (laughs) Because I'm there just going, "Mm, yeah, makes sense. Solid strategy. I hate it. (laughs) So. Uh, so we cut to later that night at dinner, um, where everyone, uh, Jake's mom, dad, and brother are sitting at the table, um, and talking about the, the food and it, it's all very normal. Uh, Mm -hmm. Jake comments on a totally normal scene around a totally normal dinner table. No one would ever have guessed the truth. In my brother's head was an alien, a creature from another planet. I asked Axe about how it works. Axe is the Andalite we rescued from the bottom of the ocean. He's one of us now, I guess. Anyway, I asked Axe about how the Yerk slug lives in a person's head. He explained it to me. How they can flatten their slug-like bodies, how they can sink between the crevices and cracks of a person's brain, how they melt like a liquid into every available space, how they wrap their bodies around a brain and attach their own neurons to human neurons. Tom must have noticed me staring at him, because he's just staring at Tom's fucking head thinking about the yerk wrapped around his brain. Um, And Jake, you know, covers as quick as he can, throws a dinner roll at Tom, uh, or gets a dinner roll thrown at him. Um, And they, the tension, the tension doesn't break, but it turns from suspicious tension to kind of angry at each other tension. Mm -hmm. Um, And... Uh, uh, Tom acts annoyed. Jake smiles. It's a fake smile. Um, and it, it this whole, it, it's bad. Um, you no, know, in that- the old days, Tom would not have put up with that. He would not have let me challenge him and get away with it. He would have had me in a headlock and given me a massive noogie until I begged for mercy. But now he just gave me a cold, uncertain smile. Maybe it was because he had changed. Maybe it was because I had changed. The silence stretched between us for a few minutes, and my parents, feeling uncomfortable, made small talk. Yeah, I am. Um, well, I was reading as I read that. I had the the thought, and obviously, it's not the same. This is a very specific situation. <laughs> there is a alien parasite in Tom's head, and Jake knows it and has been gifted the power to turn into animals to fight said alien threat. Mm-hmm. But also it got me thinking about how our relationships with our family members change as we get older. Mm-hmm. We gain sort of an awareness and understanding. Our parents stop becoming just parents and become people. Mm-hmm. And like same with our siblings. And once you have that awareness, there's no going back. Mm-hmm. You can't unlearn these things. I just... Find found it quite an interesting commentary on like getting older and growing up. Yeah, that that's inherent in that. That I feel like maybe as a kid reading that book, that resonating with that, my brother feels like an alien. I don't know who my brother is anymore mm-hmm. because that's sometimes what getting older just feels like. Yeah. 
Yep. But uh, Tom, ex- uh, yep, no. Jake excuses himself from the table, and then um, Tom does Tom, as well. Yeah, and talks to him on the stairs, and she's like, "I don't know why you're so against the sharing." And Jake's just like, "Yeah, I guess I just don't like to join things." And this is this push here. Why are you doing this so important? And uh, Jake's just like, "I wasn't doing anything. Maybe hanging out with Marco." And this yerk, uh, Tom, mm-hmm. is trying so hard. Yeah, you could be a part of something bigger. You could be a part of something great, not just another nothing kid. He gave me a look like he could tell me incredible things, like he could open up a whole new world for me. I could be part of something bigger, something important. I knew that kind of stuff worked on some people. That was the first step towards becoming a voluntary host. That was how The Shining started you out. Talk of bigger, more glorious, more interesting things than you could ever be part of, or that you could be part of. To which Jake is just like, thanks Tom, but I don't want to be a part. I guess I'd rather just be one person, on my own, one little nothing kid. For a split second after I said that, he let the mask slip. For just a moment, I saw an expression of pure arrogance and contempt. Yerk arrogance. Yerk contempt. The look said, we will have you sooner or later. You and all the rest of your weak race. Then it was gone, and Tom was shrugging like it was all no big deal. <sighs> yeah, and then we get uh, Chekhov's dream. <laughs> uh, that night, I had the dream, a dream that had begun to appear almost every night. Uh, but he doesn't explain it here. It gets explained later. Um, but uh, keep that in mind, that he has this dream every night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's great. I'm so glad that Jake is having just such a fun and easy time. Love to see trauma. <laughs> yep. Y- y- you'll, you'll love to see it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but so we have our chapter break. Uh, they're talking about practicing morphs and that they're at uh, Marco's new apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first time they'd ever used it and Jake observes because Marco's dad is being back at work that they've moved to a better place and how Marco was probably embarrassed about the old one but, uh, he, and he says about how Marco's dad is out working late and Jake muses that he hopes the job will last because Marco's been carrying a big load of family problems for a long time mm-hmm. problems that aren't going to let up anytime soon <laughs> It's fine. It's everything's fine. Totally uh-huh. fine. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But they're all here <laughs> to practice morphing Roach. Uh, um, mor- Cassie's grossed out, which I appreciate seeing the detail. Uh, yeah. Jake's like, just don't do it in front of a mirror. And then and don't look Axe, at each other. <laughs> just don't look at each other. Don't do it in front of a mirror. And Axe is just like, are these creatures frightening to humans? And just like the, we get the introduction to Axe. Uh, mm-hmm. A goat with eyes on the end of his horns was the one that got me about this description. Like, mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's a choice. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they talk about how they're getting used to just the weirdness stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And how Tobias, how they get ready, they're getting ready to turn into roaches, except for Tobias. And the weirdest thing of it all is that it doesn't seem weird anymore. Mm-hmm. 
And Jake just like purposely doesn't watch because like he knows how gross this is. <laughs> yeah. Um, he also he doesn't morph um, because he's going to help them figure out how to understand human speech while they're morphed. Um, so we get a scene of him and Tobias kind of tag teaming to uh, help them figure out when Jake is speaking and and how to to figure out what he's saying. <laughs> I love this little bit. Um, Jake, Marco said, say, I'm a huge dork. I'll see if I can understand it. You're a huge dork. Very funny, Marco said. I couldn't actually hear what you said, but I know you. <laughs> <laughs> They're good kids, Brent. <laughs> uh, they spend about an hour uh, learning how to translate vibration into human speech. Um, and then everybody demorphs. I like how we have this detail. Like, Cassie is apparently the best morpher, even better than Axe. Okay. Wicked. Love that detail. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, hmm, a little bit. But uh, I appreciate that Jake's just like, even the, his crush, the best of morphing, even Cassie couldn't do anything to make cockroach morph attractive. It was disgusting. Flat out disgusting. But mm -hmm. then we have Axe, just like, you have such wonderful animals on this planet. And I'm just like, oh, this boy. Is he sweet son? <laughs> because he's yeah. he's not my son. I I <laughs> I, 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 I respect Dibs. <laughs> yes. Um but yeah, and Mark and Rachel's just like, no, it's gross. Uh and talks about not liking it, but Marco comments about how they're easy to handle, not like the ants, and just like, we all exchanged a look. We'd had a very bad experience with ants. That was one <laughs> morph nobody was going to be repeating. Um but then we have this moment where Jake is just like, this mission doesn't require us all to go. Mm -hmm. Trying to take that onto himself. And uh, the others are like, nah. Rachel's the first, just like, yeah, I know Rachel's are disgusting, but we need to know what's going on, so we're going to do it. That's, mm -hmm. that's the end of it. And she's just like, anyone want to argue with me? Because I will, uh, you can try. And Jake's just like, yeah, but I could do it alone. And Rachel calls him on it and just like, and this was a cute moment because she's like, you know, we're the five musketeers, one for all, all for one. Six musketeers now, she corrected looking at Axe. And she's just like, yay. And Axe doesn't understand the reference. <laughs> Sweet child. But it's good. <laughs> the fact that Axe hasn't been with them very long, but then Rachel's making the effort to include him in that moment, mm -hmm. which makes like, some the the offer that Axe makes later, really cool and lovely yeah. when yeah. we see these motions of everybody just like trying to engage more with Axe, like he's just one of them, and I like that. Yeah. So, but everyone is like looking at Jake at this point, just except for Axe, who's still trying to suss out what the fuck a musketeer is. <laughs> um. And Marco's just like, yeah, normally I'd all be staying out of trouble, but I'm just curious about why you're acting this way. Cassie's the one that makes the assessment mm -hmm. of if he's worried about Tom getting hurt, which is part of it. Yeah. Mm. I mean, uh huh. But that's not all about it. Not all of it. Yeah. Uh, look, he's my brother. You guys are my friends. What if we get into it and it comes down to a fight? Marco raised his eyebrows thoughtfully. He understood. We don't hurt Tom. That's the first thing. It's not that simple, I said. He's involved in this big time. He's one of them. And he would... Look, he would kill any of us. I hated having to say that, but it was true. 
Uh, Tobias is the one who corrects him, not Tom, the thing that lives in his head, never Tom. And then Jake gets into his the dream that he's been having, um, where he is the tiger and he's stalking Tom, um, feeling the tiger's eagerness um, and the anticipation of the hunt. Uh, Tobias turns his head away because he understands on a personal level um, that that feeling of a predator reveling in a hunt. Um, only when Jake gets close to his brother in the dream, Tom turns around and it isn't Tom anymore. Uh, and there is, uh, we learn later, uh, a little bit more, but here, uh, Jake stops before he finishes everything. Um, <laughs> I just don't want anything to happen to Tom, I said lamely. It's not just about what might happen if there's a fight. It's... Oh, I hate that. Oh, I hate that so much. Mm -hmm. Ugh. Look, I think Tom is important to this whole hospital plan somehow. I think maybe he's in charge. If we manage to stop this thing, who knows what they'll do to Tom. I mean, maybe Visser 3 just kills Tom's yerk, but we've all seen Visser 3 in action. He likes to make examples out of anyone who fails him. He could kill Tom. Uh, and Rachel says, if we succeed, Tom fails. If he fails, Visser 3 may kill him. Um, Cassie suggests that we just forget the mission. Um, and uh, Jake counters. A little factory for making controllers? Why? Because my brother might be hurt? Yes, Cassie said simply. I hesitated. I wanted to agree, but how could I justify backing off for selfish reasons? Um, never mind that he would and will afford that same... Mm -hmm. uh, comfort? Comfort. Yeah, comfort to everybody else later. Um, Marco's the one who kind of swoops in and saves him. We don't have to make a final decision now. We can go in, learn what they're up to, then decide what to do about it. Um, I met Marco's gaze. I wondered what he was thinking about me. Only Marco and I knew about his mother. To everyone else, she's dead. Only the two of us know that she's really a controller, that her body is the host of Visser One. Marco, of all people, understood what I was dealing with. He had given me a way out of deciding. Uh, I should have felt relieved. I didn't. Uh, yeah. 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 And given what we learn about this dream later, um, mm -hmm. how the, the thing that he's talking about here is when he says, you know, it's not just about Tom getting hurt. It's about Jake being unable to continue in the fight that is putting him in this kind of catch-22. There, There's the level of he doesn't want to have to fight Tom and possibly hurt Tom. He doesn't want to win at the mission because if Tom fails, then Visser 3 might kill him. He doesn't want to just let the mission go because then they're letting the Yerks get this really big win. And... He also doesn't want to have to hurt Tom because he thinks that he will be lost in that process. Mm -hmm. So Jake is having a bad time. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, you asked me in um, in our document what I thought about it, mm -hmm. and I um, 
I didn't quite have the right guess on what was going to happen, but I wasn't far off. Mm -hmm. But my take at this point was that Tom turns to Jake into the dream and then that Jake kills himself. Mm-hmm. Um, which would have also been incredibly upsetting. It's not quite what happens, but he does end up, Jake is the one that dies. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's the take I took on it, because, <laughs> you know, I like to think about things, is there's everything that you were just saying, Danielle, and that comment about <clears throat> Jake losing himself. Mm-hmm. Um, there is this thing about Jake is sacrificing his humanity by becoming a soldier. Mm-hmm. He's going to lose himself to the war and become something else. And he's going to be the reason it happens. He's going to make choices. Mm-hmm. And given the small things I know, Jake ends up in a very horrible place and makes choices that suck. Mm-hmm. Because he's the leader. But, like, he's going to commit some war crimes is, is what he's going to do. And he does in this book, he does something truly drastic. Yeah. The choice to do violence, to hurt people, regardless of whether or not you're in the right doing so, like, there, it's a war. And it is for humanity, but these are children soldiers. Mm-hmm. And it's like a level of awareness that what that what he's doing, he's going to lose the person he is. Yeah. Yeah. It's the deep. Others, it's upsetting as hell. Yeah, it is extremely upsetting. The others have a veneer of uh, distance from that decision because mm. they are they're Jake's soldiers. Jake is the one who's making the calls, and I don't want to get into I was just following orders because they all know what they're doing and are making are agreeing to do what they are doing. They are also making that choice. Um, but. In the end, Jake is the one who's making the really difficult calls, and they're the ones who are trusting his judgment on that. Mm. Um, and and it's just awful. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, they 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 aren't the ones, and they often feel relieved like we saw with cassie in book five in book four Mm -hmm. they're relieved when jake does take that decision away from them Mm -hmm. because them making the call is an added level of horror onto everything they're doing already Mm -hmm. um this is one of those points where i'm really glad that in uh, dumb kids we're that little bit older Mm-hmm. Because that also where we don't have a leader, mm-hmm. um, but I find that quite interesting because uh, I'm not going to go too deep into. But I, my character, like Kel, has very much made the choice that it shouldn't just be one person having to make the bad choices that suck, mm-hmm. and that they're going to take some of that on themselves because it isn't fair. 
to make one person do it just because they're willing to. Uh-huh. Let me tell you, Danielle, when we're not recording this, I have a, I've had a lot of feels recently that I just need to unload about with you. Yes. Um, Hell yes. Anytime. Yes, I will talk to... <laughs> yeah. Game aside, uh, we'll, 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 we'll chat more about that later. Believe me. <laughs> um, but yes, so it's just, again, to come back to children. Mm-hmm. And how adult they all end up being in different ways. Yep. And it's just, there's a lot of bad stuff going on in the UK right now. Um, like there are in lots of places. But I'm just sort of feeling hyper aware of younger people right now. Mm -hmm. um, with what's going on and how the current government doesn't care about low-income families. Um, and just those children are sort of in my mind and reading this about children having to do things that no child should have to do and i yeah. get that it's ya fiction that's the whole point it's about protagonists the reader's age mm -hmm. so i mean I've obviously as a young adult as a like a 13 year old 14 reading these books i probably wouldn't be having the same kind of visceral reaction that's i suppose the quote privilege of coming out of this as an adult mm -hmm. is adult horror. Yeah. Of just like, holy fucking shit. These yeah. babies. Why yeah. isn't anyone helping these babies? Yeah. Because as so. a kid reading these, you're you're definitely feeling the horror of like, could I do this? Mm -hmm. Right? You know, I'm Jake's age. Could I make the decisions that he's making about my brother? Right. Um, mm. But there's as an adult, like you said, there's definitely the the added horror of not only kind of being able to put yourself in that position, but also realizing that this is a position that these kids should not be in mm -hmm. at all, ever, for any reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it uh, hurts a lot. And I have mm -hmm. so many feelings about Animorphs. Uh, mm -hmm. And not to belabor the point, I know we've been stuck on here for a while now. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're only on chapter six. <laughs> it's fine. There, are, I've noticed there are less notes in parts of the book. We'll get more abstract with the discussion. But like, yeah, yeah. Um, th this and, is our first time returning to Jake. Yeah, as well. Yeah. So this book is also shorter. It's only like eighty-seven pages instead of the usual hundred plus. So. Mm -hmm. But uh, this conflict um, and and the responsibility that Jake takes on is really what in endears me to Jake as a character. Mm -hmm. um, because I know I said in the first book, like at first Jake is kind of bland um, and is kind of just a a stand-in for the reader and is a person that things are happening to while everyone else is kind of making the decisions around him. Mm -hmm. um, but here, he's really kind of coming into his own, and we've seen him now for a couple of books taking on the mantle of responsibility, and uh, we're, we're seeing him make these decisions 
and we can compare and contrast his interiority to the others. Um, and he really gets fleshed out as a character here. Um, Agreed. Mm-hmm. And it, I just, I love him. Mm. Uh, baby boy. I think, yeah, like you so say, on the surface, I think Jake is the maybe the hardest to immediately go, oh, yeah, that's me, or I love this kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, because his personality isn't as front forward yeah. as, like, Marco is very easy to love, even mm-hmm. without the excessive, perhaps, amounts of projection. <laughs> Axe is very easy to as well. Ditto Rachel and Cassie, I think, for different reasons. And Tobias is super easy. He's such an internal person. Yeah, he's a woobie real... too, so. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, I bet I Anyway, um, <laughs> but I think as a kid, I probably would have really struggled. I think I may have said I went to relate to Jake. Mm-hmm. As an adult, I like I both want to shake him a lot and also be like, let me help you. Yeah. Because of he is he has this strength to him. Mm-hmm. And what I really appreciate is how angry he is. Yeah. And yet how that doesn't we, we it touches on his rage and his frustration in his interior stuff, but it doesn't tend to, he's very controlled. Mm-hmm. So when we have these moments of violence and when he has places to direct his anger in the same way that, and you, I think you can start seeing it happening or the way he talks about certain things. And he's very good at distancing to give himself the space to make choices. Mm-hmm. I think other people, in so much Cassie can't, why Cassie can't? Because she thinks too much about stuff and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, where Tobias thinks about stuff in a different way, I think this distance. But like, eh, I'm I'm talking myself into a little bit of a circle. I'm sorry, but it's like I really appreciate reading from Jake's perspective, seeing how angry he is about it, mm-hmm. and how he doesn't unleash that anger on other people. Mm-hmm. He only he reserves that for the ex. Yeah, especially. Uh how jake in this book he's it's mentioned a couple of times that he's big Mm -hmm. um and as a big white boy Mm -hmm. um that reluctance to uh show anger or violence is good agreed Um, which doesn't take away from some of the horror that he does later but uh Mm-hmm. It is it is good to see he at least controls his anger for the most part around the others. You know, he doesn't mm-hmm. he doesn't really he's not a yelling person. No. Um and and that's refreshing and good. Yeah. Like Rachel and Marco are the ones who yell. Yeah. Which is our short king um clown character and our supermodel girl yeah. they're the ones that get to be angry and they're people that often aren't allowed to be mm-hmm. which is very cool to see yeah so yeah but back okay. to the narrative back to the narrative uh, uh, they're getting ready to sneak into this uh 
they sling into an abandoned building near where the sharing meets so they can morph and head in. And I appreciate this little bit of back and forth. She's like, so how long is this going to take? Because I set the VCR for stuff, but there's also, I forgot to set it to do the movie. And Cassie's just like, oh, I'm taping it in case you miss it. And I was just like, yay, friends. <laughs> yay. But yeah. again, Part of me thinks it's a bit of banter. Part of me thinks Rachel genuinely wants to be home in time to watch the movie. Yeah. Because, like, she's a 13-year-old girl. Why the fuck Mm -hmm. not? But I I like it. Um, So we have that. And this whole section, as they're getting ready for this mission, is full of banter. Mm -hmm. We've got Tobias bitching about it being dark (laughs) um, and talking about how cool owls are. Um, how owls are great apart from that part where they try to kill and eat falcons and then just like I'm looking sideways, side-eyeing Tobias going please stay away from owls kid <laughs> we got Axe being like ugh two legs are stupid <laughs> uh, how do you guys do this absurd has fun saying absurd mm-hmm. uh, Jake once again comments on how weird it is um, and then Marco starts to he's like how uh does this sort of joy I, like I love how the choice is gyrating wildly <laughs> um, and like like a guy I, go, I only have two legs I'm falling falling see I know it must happen sometimes Ax said adding happen happen <laughs> and I love how Jake has this I wasn't sure if Ax knew Marco was being funny or not uh, Ax might have a very dry sense of humour or he might have no sense of humour at all I hadn't figured it out yet <laughs> Which is very good. Uh, <laughs> I, as I said in the chat, I'm just here yelling about my ship, quite frankly. So I'm just like, <laughs> yes, good. Tease the cute person. This is great. I'm, I'm, I'm here for this. This is how Marco shows affection. Yep. Yes. Yes, yep. good. <laughs> um, they find the sharing building that they're going to. Apparently, it's kind of their new meeting place. Uh, there's a guard out front, so they cut down to a different abandoned building and morph there. Um, <gasps> I'm sorry, this is a bit weird. Tobias goes ahead, uh, th- flies through the open door, then we hear a thump of him putting, <laughs> clipping a pillar with his wing. Yeah. And, bo- <laughs> and it's just like, very good. I just, I just, I really like it. It's such a silly little detail. Um, but yeah, again, more banter acts is morphing back. Uh, Rachel's just like how her mom would be so proud if she knew what she was doing. Cassie reminds everybody, this is a, <laughs> it's like, we're not looking for a fight. This is a spy mission. No one do anything dramatic, like morph into an elephant and go on a stomping spree. <laughs> Cassie was looking at Rachel. Rachel has an elephant morph. She's very fond of it. And it's just... <laughs> Rachel laughed. Absolutely. Spy time. Stealth is my middle name. <laughs> um, and Jake's like kind of embarrassed that Cassie was the one to bring it up and just reminding people this isn't a fight. Even though Tom's going to be there, this is just information. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just like there's more from them. We got this good little I fucking cackled reading reading this. <laughs> was it that one? Oh no, it might be a little bit later. There's a thing about. Uh, eating rats no that's but, here. Uh, <laughs> no there's the thing about don't knock it till you tried it oh yeah mm-hmm. but uh yeah marco's like and we're all roaches you'll stop the rats from eating us and uh 
<laughs> and Tobias is just like, hey, I don't see that, but I can still catch a rat. I am the rat killer of the universe. <laughs> it's just like, oh boy. Sweetness. Mm-hmm. Axe is ready and still calling Jake Prince Jake. Yep. And then we have the uh, fun interaction. Everyone's just like, holy shit, that's big. Uh, beer can and they're uh and i like how they all sort of find the fun thing about how if it wasn't gross it'd be cool and they're like mm-hmm. climbing their way in oh here it is here's the exchange that made me yeah. cackle yeah you know you guys still give me the willies but i said you should see yourselves the urge to step on you is pretty strong strong if i had shoes i never did like roaches this from a guy who disembowels live mice for lunch marco said don't knock it if you haven't tried it to buy a shot back um, and Jake has this great little observation uh, that he notes that Tobias seems more and more at peace with his weird half-life, a weird life of being half-bird, half-human. I just think about how Tobias talks about it and Marco talked about it in their separate books about joking helps mm-hmm. and yep. the fact that they're making these cracks with each other. Yep. It's just, it's good shit is what yep. it is. And and Jake making notes on his teammates so that he knows how to best use them. See, I didn't have that observation, and now I'm sad. <laughs> Thanks, Daniel. You're welcome. Appreciate you. <laughs> Do you want to pull that knife back out so you can use it again later? <laughs> oh no, I have so many knives. Oh, I, I am glad that there is not a shortage of sharp things over there. <laughs> oh, and I'm just reminded of that fucking mechanism line that makes me... I'm going to have to quickly say this. You can cut this out when, when mm. we edit it. But there's this exchange in, I think, the strange case of Dr. Pilchard, which is one of the one-shot songs, which is... Um, it's been a long time since anyone managed to capture all of us, and Marius is just like... I think the last one that it was that posh one with all the knives, right? Oh, the aristocratic one with all the knives. The Jody's just like, ah, yes, the Marquis de old knives. (laughs) (laughs) Dumb and good. (laughs) But periodically, I just have in my head, ah, yes, the Marquis de all the knives. In my head, it's just like, (laughs) makes me really happy. (laughs) It's so dumb. (laughs) But yes. Um, so their their mind is on the job. Uh, the kids get cross over the alley. Tobias uh, gives them like plays scout as is his way. Um, gives them directions and then goes to watch um, where there's more light. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have this observation that just like don't act or like act like normal roaches because they the yurks know about the andalite bandits or they think they do. Mm-hmm. But they find their way in. Um, and yeah, Cassie yeah. finds the way in first, and the others follow. Yep, they get into the meeting. Uh, there's a joke because they start listening in. The day is here at last. It is time to strike the decisive blow in the invasion of Earth. What is this? A York pep rally? Marco wondered. <laughs> Cassie started giggling. Well, thought speak giggling, and pretty soon all of us, except Axe, were laughing silently. It was very nervous laughter. Uh. Oh, that just makes me sad about how Adelites maybe don't laugh. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. He's he's a very very good oh, cadet. But yeah, they um is... they move in. <laughs> they move in. Um and spread out, start listening. Uh Jake is concerned because he he thinks that 
you know, humans hate roaches and they'll spot them very quickly and stomp them, but the Yerks don't fucking care. They have more important things on their they got mind. A pep, they got a pep rally. Yeah. Focus. Uh, but, um, and then Tobias checks in. He's just within thought speak range and he mentions that there's a car pulling up, specifically a limo, uh, accompanied by other cars with a bunch of toughs. Uh, and they're getting out and coming into the building. And I appreciate that like, we get Tobias just like, they have guns. And all I can think is because of fucking Brian, it's just like, like escalates. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like space escalates. Yes. Is... <laughs> no. Anyway, but a guy gets out the back of the limo and we have this observation from Tobias of uh, who is it? Or, or should I say, what is it? Is what Jake asks. And Tobias is like, it's a human who staggered a little walking to the door. Looks like a normal guy, but all the others are acting very nervous. And Tobias is like, and I know this sounds dumb, but I get a bad feeling from this guy. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, Visser 3 is here. <laughs> yeah. This time in human morph. Yeah. Uh, and he comes into the room just like, my brothers in arms, some loud, booming voice said, I present to you our leader, Vissa 3. There's a gasp from the group. There was a silent gasp from us too. Vissa 3. Vissa 3 had an andalite body, obviously, as we know. Um, just like, I see that some of you are surprised. A new voice said, surely you must know that I can morph a human as well as any other body. And the others are just like, oh man, Mark says, Vissa 3 can morph a human. And Axe is just like, yeah, just as I do. Humans are animals. After all, you have <laughs> DNA. And they talk about how strange it is to hear Visser 3 talking, because obviously mm -hmm. they've only heard his thoughts speak. But conveniently enough, he's too far away for them to know what his human wolf looks like. Yep. Convenient. Uh, and like any good villain, Visser 3 explains his whole plan. He starts <laughs> monologuing. <laughs> uh, part one is to use the hospital to take involuntary hosts uh you know people check in for whatever procedure they check out as controllers like marco said the other part is that apparently the governor of the state that they're in is going to have some surgery and they scheduled the surgery at this particular facility so they're planning on infesting the governor plus um, axe who doesn't know what earth politics are just like having to be <laughs> chipped in uh, but also maybe for any kids that don't know, yeah. To be fair, because you you might not. And um, Axe asks if it's a kind of a prince, and they explain how the governor controls the state police and the national guard and the schools. And this is when you can see the scope of the plan because it was bad enough when Visa Three was so we're going to focus on like the police and teachers, mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, people in uh, broadcasting, people in finance, political power. But they talk about how they talk about making about 200 new controllers per month, mm -hmm. which is just a horrifying scale. Yeah. Um, but they talk about, and then Rachel is the one that brings up that the governor for their state is getting ready to run for president in the next year. And yeah. uh, there could be a controller in the White House, which they again have to explain to Axe. And we have this moment of just like, and that would be the ball game, Marco said. Then all will be lost. Yeah, Axe. All will be lost. Yep. And Jake's just like, okay, we're going. Yep. 
Uh, and then this is a fun, horrifying sequence. Mm-hmm. Love this because uh, they get spotted. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people just like they're just bugs. They're everywhere. Visa three for once being pretty switched on and not too high on his own bullshit. <laughs> it's just like you think the Andalites can't turn into something that small. Like kill the bugs. Kill the bugs and also kill this person who insinuated that it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. Which sends Jake into a tailspin because he doesn't know who it was that just got shot. Yeah. Jake, but Jake manages to get shit together because there's everybody else. But he does say, run for everyone for himself, speed out, let the roaches' brains guide you. Um, and it's bad. Uh, Cassie gets stuck at one point but um and jake they're just trying to help everybody get out and it's there's a lot and there's a whole lot of different things happening uh jake realizes a little bit late that he has wings and then hits a wall <laughs> and get, uh manages to take cover briefly we find out that everyone else has gotten out except marco well rachel hitches a ride on somebody's sock and gets out that way marco's chilling out in the bathroom in a smaller toilet. in the toilet specifically <laughs> um we have this moment where uh Jake and Marco just talking uh checking in um, we get this yeah good luck man Marco said yeah you too my friend and then it's just like ugh bah but then we have this really upsetting thing of bug spray coming into play um Jake, Jake detects the scent of it first um, that it's sweet and oily and dangerous, and Susan takes off running and gets hit by bug spray, and it sucks. He's aware that he's been poisoned and how it's nerve gas, basically, to him, mm-hmm. and all he can smell is poison. Um, and Visa 3 is like, don't crush him, he might demorph, uh, and then we'll have an Andalite, and then uh, air support shows up. And it's just yeah. like, yes, hang in there, Jake. Do I said, it's me, Red Tailed Airlines, welcomes you aboard, and I am hauling my feathered butt out of here. Mm-hmm. Again, Tobias swooping in in front of a bunch of people with guns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a little bird body. In his little bird body that he can't morph to heal. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But, uh, yep, Tobias putting himself in the firing line again. Um... What's Jake going to do? Yell at him? He's busy being poisoned right now. <laughs> um, but gets Jake to like the roof of a nearby building and is just like shouting at him to morph back. And Jake is like aware that he's dying. He knows what it's like to see a roach die from poisoning. And he stood mm-hmm. over them and thought, serves you right. And he yeah. can, he's suffocating and his body is jerking. And Tobias is just trying to coach him back. Just like, you've got to do it. You've got to concentrate. And we have this moment where Jake's just like how hard it is to focus when he's trapped inside a dying body, mm-hmm. which is just so much. Um, and he tries to picture himself human, but he keeps getting mixed up with all of the other morphs that he knows. And then he slips into the dream. And this is where we find out what the rest of the dream is. Yep. I was the tiger moving with perfect silence, each muscle like liquid steel. Every movement controlled, calculated. I could smell my prey. I could hear his clumsy human movements in the dark forest. He was slow. He was weak. 
He could not escape me. I would destroy him. I would bring down my prey. My prey. Tom. I saw him turn to look at me. I saw fear in his eyes. Fear of me. I settled back on my haunches, preparing for the final lunge, the killing lunge that would end with my teeth sinking into his neck, my jaws crushing his spine. He looked at me and held up his hands. No! I leapt, uncoiling unbelievable power. I leapt, a huge, unstoppable hunter. I roared a thunderous cry of triumph that could be heard for miles. And then I saw the tiger, saw myself, saw orange-striped fur and ruthless yellow eyes and saber teeth and claws that could rip open a buffalo hurtling towards me. Tom had become the tiger, and I was his prey. On Dream Ends, and he wakes up to Tobias uh, staring down at him. <laughs> the visual of a red child hall just, like, leaning over yeah. a human boy's <laughs> face, just like, dude, you good? <laughs> yeah. oh. <laughs> I don't know, am I okay? You seem to have all your major limbs, Tobias said, but it was a weird morph. You got poisoned pretty badly. You seemed to be unconscious while you morphed. Hi, Jake's like, Aw. Did you have fun at the park? Go ahead. Um, and Jake's like sort of a bit surprised that he's managed to do it. I like the thought of that dream being so integral to who Jake is as a person that helped reset his DNA. Mm. Upsetting. Yeah, that's, a, that's upsetting, yeah. <laughs> but. It was so deep in his own psychology, he was able to reset. Mm-hmm. So, but um, they're up on the roof of this fast food restaurant and uh, Jake comments that Tobias saved his life and, and Tobias is like, no problem. Um, just, I'm your own personal Air Force dude. Just call on the air support anytime you need it. And Jake immediately just like, well, how are the others? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're just worried about him, but they're going to get back together. Everyone's scattered, but morphed. Uh, Axe yeah. is human in his human morph again, So and is with Cassie. Sorry, wind is making the door rattle. Um, if you can hear and, the banging. Yeah, and Jake notes that Tobias is being too talkative, too persistent. Um, and he realizes Tobias is trying to avoid telling Jake something. Um, and uh, Tobias says that when Visser 3 left the sharing building, Tom was with him. Um, my first reaction was relief. Visser 3 had ordered someone executed in that meeting. It had not been Tom. Uh, and Jake asks how Visser 3 and Tom looked together. And Tobias says um, Tom was the only one from the meeting who went with Visser 3. He was acting sort of careful, but also pretty cocky. Um, and if I had to guess, I'd say Tom and Visser 3 are tight. Um, and Jake says he has a feeling that Tom is kind of responsible for a big part of the hospital plan. Um, and Tobi and Jake asks Tobias, what will Visser 3 do if to Tom if this great plan is destroyed? Echoing back to the same thing that they that Rachel said in the meeting. Um, Tobias said nothing. He knew the answer. Those who fail Visser 3 die. Uh, but they don't really have a choice because the alternative is the person who is going to become or potentially could become president uh, becoming a controller. Um, so, you know, that that's great. Uh, but we cut immediately to later, some some unknown amount of time later, where Jake is playing basketball with two of his friends uh, without 
lingering on that at all. Um, uh-huh. uh, yep. Uh, there's, it's just, it's fluff here. Um, you yeah, know, Jake. They're in, yeah, it's gym class and we see like how Jake's not actually super great at basketball maybe. Yeah. Uh, and he gets ribbed a little by his friends about how he didn't make the team. And Jake's like, yeah, but I got a move against this guy, about against Juan, who is on the team. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, we get this reference um, about Jake being big and this guy, Juan, being like a guy who looks like he's made out of straws. <laughs> uh, yeah, he calls Jake like a big ox and just like, again, that, vi- that vibe of him. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, like, it's really, part of me is like, how much of this is even real? Because of who I am as a person, but I like the the idea of Jake finding this small moment of respite and just mm-hmm. being a kid playing basketball. Yeah, but then other people start bringing up Tom. Yeah, and they're sort of like, "Oh no, well that's reality." Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, he leaves gym class, runs into Marco. They have a comment about how, "Oh, thank God it's." basketball and not wrestling um nothing worse than getting up close to sweaty dudes huh marco (laughs) and i know i just have like gay goggles on but like yes me thinks marco protests too much yeah i also appreciate that you've got big jake rights and i like the thought because there isn't enough like fat positivity of jake being like this big heavy set guy And obviously none of the cover art shows that, but like this solid dude. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's good. Yeah. I like it. Makes yeah. me happy. Um especially at thirteen, mm-hmm. which is like awkward body stage where mm-hmm. you know, a lot of kids tend to be a little stockier before they shoot up and get really thin, like all of their mass is stretched. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah. Uh, so he runs into Marco. Uh, Marco, we have the little quipping, and then Marco says uh, that the plan, or it's going to be next Tuesday. That's when the hosp- the governor is going to the hospital. Jake asks how he knows, and Marco says, super casual, that he pre- mm-hmm. he called the governor's office, pretended he was a reporter, and they faxed him a copy of the governor's yeah, schedule. Um. And then he put together from the schedule, he's got five days holiday booked starting Tuesday. Because yep. they're not going to say on the itinerary he's going in for surgery. Right. It's just like, this 13-year-old kid is just like, I'm going to call the governor's office and pretend to be a reporter. Yep. And was able to get it, was able to convince people of it. Mm-hmm. It's not just that he had a good idea. He pulled it off. Mm-hmm. Son. Yep. Yep. Um, Pride is not the word I'm looking for. <laughs> there is so much more inside me now. Uh, it's good. Yep. It's very good. Um, so Marco checks in. Thank you. I love you. Uh, <laughs> my husband has brought me a kickstart. Uh, and I love him very much. What a spouse. <laughs> Caffeine. Excellent. Um, uh, Jake's clearly having a bad time. Uh, you know, Marco says tomorrow's Saturday. We should go and do this then because it's the best, you know, availability we have. 
Um, but Jake is not looking great. Um, Marco checks in. Um, I like, I really like this moment between mm-hmm. the two of them. It's good. Of like, Marco's like, I've done the close call thing. I know it sucks. It, there's no shame getting past that. And then, oh, is it this bit? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, it, it's in a, it's in a moment. But and and Jake just like deflects, of course, says he's fine, mm-hmm. uh, and it's like, why are you psyched to go? Um, and he's clearly like joking a little bit, um, how because Marco's always been like the reluctant one, and then we just have Marco softly saying like, you know, since when, and how he's no longer reluctant to fight the Yerks, and how it's become a very personal battle for him. But then we have this exchange <laughs> again, and they both do this. Uh, but they deflect in different ways, but um, and then we have the mission statement of one Marco. I don't know what your last name is here. Um, as far as the others are concerned, I'm still the same old Marco. He said, "I don't want them thinking anything is different. I don't want them feeling sorry for me." Now, Marco, how is anyone ever going to feel sorry for you? You're so totally obnoxious, and I plan to stay that way. And it's like one. Jake is enabling Marco's bullshit mm-hmm. because he knows Marco needs it. Yep. And that is upsetting. Mm-hmm. But yep. like and this comes back to what you were saying earlier about like Jake knows how to push everybody's buttons. Yep. And sometimes pushing other people's buttons is for their own good and for their own safety and to help them. Mm-hmm. And I said he and Marco have been friends for a very long time. But I think once you have those goggles on of what Jake is very good at doing, it becomes very hard to not see his actions in that light anymore. Yeah. And it's it's really interesting to compare and contrast it to the way Cassie does. Because Cassie knows, knows how people are feeling uh, and gets that and can use that to try to comfort them. Jake knows how people are feeling and knows how to use that to make them okay to fight again. 